Coming up, we talk to Greg Prisby about Zenworks Orchestrator, next on Novell Open Audio. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Aaron Quill, and today we're going to talk to Greg Prisby about Zenworks Orchestrator, a new product that we've released at Novell that allows you to create a high-performance computing grid and to manage virtual machines and do all sorts of neat stuff with it. Greg's going to give us a detailed overview of it, but before we get into that, i got to tell you a funny little story about Greg. So Greg is a Linux head. Greg has only run Linux and nothing but Linux. At BrainShare last year, we set aside this room dedicated to Novell SE so that they could sit in there and geek out and check their email and do all sorts of cool stuff when they had downtime. So Greg and I are sitting there one afternoon, and there's a computer that somebody has left open without a screen lock or anything. The computer's just totally there right before the picking. So Greg decides that uh, he's going to mess with this person. So Greg walks up to the machine, and as soon as he sees its windows, he stops dead because... Greg didn't even know how to log into the Windows box, didn't know how to change the screensaver, didn't even know how to perform a practical joke on Windows. How pathetic is that? Greg may be limited in his knowledge of how to mess with people that are running Windows, but he's very, very proficient at Linux. Let's hear what Greg has to say about high-performance computing and virtual machine management. Today on the phone, Randy and I have Greg Prisby. Greg's a senior architect uh, for Novell. And, Greg, we brought you in to tell us about Zenworks Orchestrator. Well, great. Hey, Randy, Aaron, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about this uh, pretty cool product that uh, 1.1 just started shipping here just uh, at the beginning of August. So we're real excited about it, and I'm here to answer all your questions. Now, now wait a minute. 1.1 shipped in August, and we're just hearing about it? How come we didn't hear about 1.0? Well, because not everybody gets all the information all the time, and so that's something <laughs> that we're working on doing a better job at. But 1.0 was out there, had a couple customers, and it was really about adding virtualization to a product that was used in the high-performance computing industry. So high-performance uh, computing groups were using this. They were using it to sort of manage their data grid and to do some grid computing. And Novell said, you know what? We can add virtualization to it. And so 1.0 came out where we put the initial stuff in, but it was missing um, some functionality. And so what we did was we worked really hard all around the world to have our engineers add some new functionality, being able to do virtual machine memory management. So having a nice little interface to create that image for you to do warehousing. So now I can do configuration management. And that's what 1.1 is all about. And we're out there showing it to customers on a regular basis and hopefully they're going to close some business very soon. Okay, so 1.0 wasn't really available to the general public. It was much more of a select availability, right? 
it was select. It was available to the general public, but we were doing a different route to market. Uh, what we were doing is going only through partners. So we were working with our partners to find people in data centers that were interested. But the other thing we were doing in this select availability was making sure that the customers out there were able to give feedback and drive the product to what they needed. So Novell had an idea of what we thought customers would want in virtualization in the data center, but we didn't know. So we worked with some pretty high-profile customers to do a proof of concept. We'd set it up in their labs, we'd help them run it, and we'd get their feedback, and we use that to drive the feature set that we released in 1.1. So almost like a beta set. Absolutely. More of a public, sort of open beta set. Okay, so Greg, you mentioned a couple things in your overview that I just want to dig into. First, you said high-performance computing. And you mentioned the word data grid. Can you explain to our listeners what that really means? So data grid, before I go into that, let me just step back and give you sort of an overview of the product. The idea behind it, people hear about ZenWorks Orchestrator. First thing in their mind is, oh, VMware. Absolutely wrong. Um, so let me just step back and explain why I don't see us as competition to VMware or VMware to be a competitor to us. It's about orchestrating your environment. As you can think, if I add more machines or I start adding virtualization, which means I have more images I need to manage, things are going to get a lot more complicated a lot quicker. So what we do is allow you to automate that. So you can take a look at your network, you can take a look at your systems, you can write scripts, you can write jobs, and this is written in Python and XML, to look at your systems to see what is going on, because you understand what your data center is supposed to do, what your machines are supposed to do. So you can watch them and then take actions based on results. And so those results could be something that I notice from the system. So, for instance, my CPU is running a little bit high, or it can be something that I can, can compute. So it could be run a script or run a program locally on a machine, get output, and based on the value of that output, perform a task. So that's what orchestration is about in ZenWorks Orchestrator. We sit above VMware. We sit above XEN. And so we work very well with both of those virtualization technologies. And part of the Novell Microsoft agreement, we're going to be working very well with the Microsoft virtualization uh, virtual server today and Viridian in the near future. So really what this product does then is people who are doing server consolidations where they're trying to consolidate servers or virtualize a bunch of their hosts, it's really to help them automate kicking up different virtual machines, whether they're XEN, VMware, or Microsoft stuff when the demand is needed for that, correct? Absolutely. It could be the demand is needed for it, or it could be some other thing. We like to think about it as demand, but imagine I have an instance of virtual instances out there running, and I notice that virtual instance is not responding properly. So in that case, I may want to restart a virtual instance on a different piece of hardware. So it can be about automation, and it can also be about, no, don't get me wrong, it's not only about automation. Automation is what makes your life easier, but I can go in and interact with the system also. But you're absolutely right. It's about looking at my system and adding resources uh, as needed or possibly migrating or determining that something's not working quite right, shutting down that version and bringing it up on another machine or a different instance on that same physical machine. So kind of like, for example, if we're talking about an email system, maybe 
maybe we could have something that would automatically check to see how backed up the queue is of trying to send stuff out to the Internet or through a specific gateway. If we see a problem where messages aren't being processed, we might be able to, depending on what the root cause is, maybe kick up another virtual machine that's running Windows or Linux that can run that gateway? Uh, web is a good example. HTTP. Okay, give us a good web example then. So here's an example. I'm looking and I notice that the, I have only Apache or IIS or whatever my web server is running on a box. I notice my CPU is getting really high. So I'm figuring, you know what, it's not responding. Or I could write a little application that would be doing a query and timing how long it takes that query to come back. And I realize, you know what, this machine's under a real heavy load. But I already have, or these two machines, virtual machines or physical, it doesn't matter, are under a heavy load. So what I could do is I could start up another copy of my web server, and I could have it pointing to wherever that data is, because in my experience when I'm doing web, I'm going to have my data, uh, specifically when I have multiple servers, pointing to the same copy of the data. Mm -hmm. So I can point to that same copy of the data, so it can be NFS, Nowdid, SAN, uh, iSCSI, what have you. And it would start up another instance, and so now I can handle more requests. Now that presupposes a couple things. One, that I'm under behind a load balancing switch or some load balancing software. Sure, something that's going to redirect traffic coming into a set of different servers instead of to one specific server. That's correct. And the other thing is, let's say today I only have one server out there, so it's not behind some sort of load balancer. But what I could absolutely do then is part of the startup is, remember, I'm automating it. So this script could say, you know what, start another copy of my web server. And if this isn't being uh, behind a load balancer, let's go ahead and start up a load balancer. And I know where my other resources are doing this. So let's add that in to that resource pool. So again, it's something that I can understand, I can script it, it's something that I can describe, anything I can describe, I can write a script or a program to do. And then when things happen, I can check on the status. So no, it's not behind a load balancer, so let's start up a load balancer and add these resources. Or it is behind a load balancer, this is the way that I add that I, this IP address to it, so go ahead and add that information. So can this uh, work the opposite direction as well, Greg? Meaning, like given this example, let's say you had two web servers, one of which you needed to perform some maintenance task on. Could you script this such that when it noticed some lower traffic times, that one, it would unload that instance, two, it would notify you via phone or pager or something so that then you could go in and perform the maintenance? Absolutely. So you could do it that way. Or remember I said what we want to talk is about orchestrating or automating your environment. But let's say, you know, I get a call or I notice my NOC, my network operations center, gets a little red alert saying, you know what, I see some activity on the disk that makes me think this disk is going to fail. So they can call up the people or the person who uses orchestrator, or they may actually have their own rights to go in and do some work. So I can look at that machine, see what instances are on there, and I could shut down those instances. 
and I could deploy some jobs before I shut down the instances. So I'd have a job saying, remove from a web server cluster. And I'd deploy that job to the box or to that instance, and it would now remove itself. And then I could say, shut down the instance. It would shut down the instances. And then once I've shut down all the instances from this location, I could physically shut down the box or use whatever tools I want to do and to go perform that maintenance. And if your virtualization, you're actually using uh, XEN, you have the ability to do live migrations too, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. We could uh, do that where it made sense and the whole live migration as well as XEN work. So what I would say is look at the virtualization technology that you're interested in and see what the API that they expose is. Because what we're doing is just using that API, the application uh, program interface. I hope I got that right. And I'm sure if not, I'll be getting a lot of hate mail from all those developers out there to manage whatever technology that virtual technology is exporting to me. So with VMware, you know, you can clone, you can start, you can stop, you can pause. Uh, with ESX and Virtual Center, they currently do not expose the vMotion interface. So we could not do that with ESX. However, with XEN, absolutely we could do the migration. Okay. Um, what about uh, KVM support? So today we do not, and that when you say KVM, I, I don't think you mean uh, a KVM switch. You're talking K about keyboard, video, technology. mouse. Yeah. <laughs> so the KVM technology, uh, just like containers under Solaris, or even um, the hypervisor technology that is an AIX, we have not written an interface to manage that. However, uh, because there is an API available. Novell could write that, uh, one of our partners could write that, or a customer could write a job to manage that directly. So today, Novell does not support that, but that is something that we have in our backlog of features to one day do, and that sort of is gonna, that's going to be driven by the customer. If we have a lot of requests, then we could write that job. So just so that I kind of understand the purpose of Orchestrator here, it's meant as sort of a hypervisor hypervisor. In other words, it's you've got your various and sundry hypervisors, your Zen, your VMware, possibly down the road KVM. And Orchestrator is meant as more of a, a management tool of the various and sundry ones underneath. Is that correct? Yes, but the important thing to remember is it's not just about virtualization. To us, it's managing or automating resource usage. So that resource could be a physical machine or it could be a virtual machine. Okay. To us, we don't care. It's just a resource. And part of the engine in Orchestrator is it can look at a job that's being, it's, uh, been asked to run, and it figures out, should I run this on a virtual server? Or should I run this on a physical server? What's available to me? And it manages those resources as efficiently as it sees fit. So it's got the logic built into it to do that. It's not something that you then, from a very granular perspective, have to go in and script that. It's got some of that logic already pre-built into it? Great. And the physical machines brings up a good point, which means we could run a service that is rarely hit within a virtual machine, and then as we see traffic, you know, maybe towards the end of the month or something, that service could hit more and more. We could actually move that to a dedicated big piece of iron and have it run on there for a couple of days at the end of the month when that processing needs to really use a processor hard. Payroll. Payroll. There Payroll would be great. In fact, there's some cool heuristical learning in there, isn't there? 
There sure is. There sure is. Uh, the developer, Paul Morgan, get, can get into all the how the heuristics uh, work. I've just started looking into that and trying to wrap my head around it. As you can imagine, it's uh, not something that's easy to grasp. But you're absolutely right, Aaron. One of the things that people are looking at and one of the things that we talk about is, you know what? I know that on the, the last day of the month, I need to process payroll or I may need to... Um, my billing. So at that point, what I may want to do is to take as much resources as possible and add it to this group of machines to perform that work. So I could schedule in advance. So the last day of the month or two days before the last day of the month, you know, at 10 p.m., start taking, shutting down all the jobs or moving them to uh, other resources. Take these resources and run my SAP or my Oracle to do the pieces that I need to do um, and use those resources over the next two days or maybe only use them from 10 p.m. at night until 6 a.m. in the morning and at 6 a.m. start putting everything back for the jobs that I typically get during the day. We were actually talking to a customer just last week about doing that specifically at night. They were doing store type stuff and so at night they didn't necessarily need to use a lot of the servers that uh, run their registries so we are going to repurpose them during the evening hours to do other workforce. Oh, cool. Well, that really gets into using this beyond just virtualization and really starting to look at more high-performance computing type stuff, right? Absolutely. So, and again, it could be virtualization or high-performance to us. It's a resource, and I want to be able to have a task. I have a job that needs to be done. And what I want to be able to do is say, do this work. When I have these requirements and I have uh, these constraints, do perform this job for me to meet those requirements given these constraints. And I just tell it to go. And it goes out and figures out what to do and manages it all for me. And again, we've been really talking about the automation side, but there is a user interface, uh, either command line or graphical, where I can go and I can do this by hand also. So it doesn't all have to be automated. Okay. So really what Orchestrator allows me to do then is is treat my host computer's as kind of this resource grid that I've got access to. And then I've got jobs, and like you mentioned, that job might be deploy a virtual machine, and in that instance, what it would do is it would look at that virtual machine and then look at all the hosts in the grid and figure out the best one to run on. And that might be the best one by you know processor speed or because I've said this VM can only be restored on this class of machine or whatever rules I've set up, right? You got it. You got it. You want to go and sell some of this product? Deal. Yeah. But then I can use that same logic and not limit it just to virtual machines. It really could be any type of job. It just happens to be virtual machines is one of the big focuses we've had with the project, right? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. You, you got it. And I think I've uh, done a, a good job making sure that you understand <laughs> it's a resource. Yeah. Right? And resources are physical or they're virtual. To us, it's just a resource. Now, speaking of resources, Greg, uh, what's required kind of on the back end for this to happen? You know, are there client-side piece that are required on each resource? Or because this is scripted, it sounds pretty lightweight. Uh, you know, what's re- what, are, what sort of requirements are we looking at there? 
excellent question. So there is the, the server, and the server, you know, pretty much any machine that you've bought in the last couple of years, you know, we do think because it does run Java, if you have two gig on the box, that's great. Uh, we can run in less space, but we like to have at least two gig, and, you know, a single processor, again, anything that's uh, relatively new can be the server. What we do is we install a Java agent on the resource that we want to manage. So in the case of a physical server or the hypervisor, if I install an agent, then I can talk to that agent and I can learn what virtual instances may be on there and I can start those virtual instances. Just to be clear real quick, when you say virtual instances, you're talking about like VMware is installed on that machine and you've got a virtual host in there that's running Windows 2000 and a virtual machine that's running Linux. That's what you mean when you say virtual instance, right? Absolutely. Thank okay. you for the clarification. Uh, so what I do is, I, so I would install it on uh, the machine where I have Virtual Center installed if I'm trying to manage ESX. And then what happens is my server, the ZenWorks Orchestrator server, via the agent talks to the virtual center and it can perform work through the virtual center SDK to the boxes where the ESX instances are installed. So the agent then runs just on the virtual hosting machine, not so much on a guest, but just on the hypervisor machine, instead of having to have it individually on each guest. Is that correct? That is correct in the sense that now what it can do is just start and stop those instances because it's the hypervisor, or in this case virtual center, that sends a command to start or stop those instances. And it's talking directly then to the hypervisor. That is correct. So right. under okay. XVN, it would be on DOM0, so it would be in the hypervisor where I would install it. And then what I can do is tell that hypervisor, you start this instance, stop this instance. Now, if I want to do work, so I want to be able to run a job, which would be start Apache or um, start Oracle or start SAP, now I have to install that agent inside the VM. Okay. Right. So if I am going to talk directly to a resource and tell a resource to perform work for me, then I need to install the small lightweight agent that runs RMI over port 1099 and all the data is encrypted uh, through a shared certificate. Okay. That needs to be installed. Cool. And since we're kind of talking about a, a, an example here, you also at that point, um, just so that you've got portability, you'd actually try to take a lot of your virtual machine images and move those to a centralized location, right, instead of having them on all the individual VM hosts. Absolutely. So that talks about another piece. So we've talked a little bit about the console, and that's where the jobs are, and that's I can use this Java application to manage my systems and to set everything up. We have another thing that is an Eclipse RCP, uh, Rich Client Program, and that allows me to do a couple other cool things. I have virtual memory management as well as monitoring. Let's talk about monitoring first because that's a lot easier and pretty straightforward. Forward. We use a copy of Ganglia, and we use our tool, and we can get information. We can do nice, pretty graphs that our tool give you, all open source. As a matter of fact, one of the people who worked on the Ganglia project for ZenWorks Orchestrator is a 
person responsible for getting Apache working under NetWare. The reason that's important is he worked with something called DSOs, which are part of Apache. He added that technology to Ganglia and open sourced it. So now Ganglia has the idea of DSOs, which means I can just write a module and I could extend Ganglia very, very easily. That was a Novell employee who wrote that for Ganglia and we open sourced it. Awesome. So I'm not familiar with Ganglia. Can you explain it to me real quick? So think of whatever monitoring tool you want. You can look at CPU, you can look at disk usage, you can look at uh, network information. Pick whatever your monitoring tool that you like, commercial or open source. Hey, Cisco. Gangly is just, just another one of them. Okay, so it just grabs stuff like SNMP-type alerts and whatnot? Yep. Okay, yeah, it cool. gets that sort of information. There's a little agent that runs in there that passes information back, and you store it in something called RRD tool, round-robin database tool. Oh, okay. It's what it stands for. Sure. You configure it. And again, this is all open source. You can go and tweak it as you see fit. However, we've tweaked it to what we think is um, what most data centers will want and what most reporting people will want. Um, so, you know, caveat emporer. But go in, play with it as you see fit. But we will go ahead and generate all these graphs. And you can say, you know, let's look at the last hour. Let's look at the last day, week, month, year. Okay. And what types of stuff is it going to show me? So CPU load being the big one, I can look at uh, network too. So I can look and see how my network has been responding. You know, is my link, my Ethernet overloaded, my network card on this thing just really, really pummeled? Is my CPU really pummeled? And so based on that, I can go and look at historic information for my grid or for all the machines and all the instances out there, and I can use it to help make some decisions about capacity planning going forward. Okay. You had also mentioned virtual memory management, Greg. What do we have there? And I thought it was virtual machine management. Virtual machine management. You're absolutely right, so thank you uh, for the correction. What you have there is the ability to create and then do configuration management around a virtual machine. So it is an interface, and this is specifically for Zen, we have a concept of a workspace. So from here I can say, let's create a new image. And from that image, it has a wizard that will help answer the questions and gather the information from you so that it can go and build a VM to meet your needs. So you can do full virtualized, para-virtualized. There are over 20 different OSs, I think, that we're able to build with this tool. And once you get into all the permutations of Zusa and Red Hat and Windows that are available. And you can point it to your installation source. If you have a Autoyast file or a Kickstart file, you could point it to that. You can set up your network information, its personality. So here's the name of this instance, I want to call it. Point to different disks. I can also uh, say what type of network cards in there, uh, what sort of graphics I want to use, and it can create it. And what actually happens is this tool, this application, Eclipse RCP, sends a job to Zos, the ZenWorks Orchestrator server, and says, you know what, here's a request to build this machine on this type of architecture. And what happens is now Zos, and this is the tie-in as part of the ZenWorks Orchestrator system, 
will find the right resource to go and do that build for you. And so it will go off and it will do the build. Um, if you do not give it a configuration file that answers all the information needed to build an image, you can connect via VNC and then interactively build and answer those questions. Okay, so that helped me build like my base image of like give me a clean SLES 10 server with SP1 on it, right? Correct, correct. Where do I take it from there? So, before I was so rudely interrupted, I was about to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> from the workspace, we have the idea of a warehouse. And so I can look at this image, and technically what you do is you right-click on it, and there's a thing called check-in, and you check it into the warehouse. So what this does is it copies it into space that is allocated for my warehouse. And ZenWorks Orchestrator Server knows about your warehouse and where it's located. So once I check it into the warehouse, we use uh, some configuration management. We have a personality which has information about network and name and that sort of stuff. And then on top of that, we have the disk, which is, you know, pretty much the OS. What I've just done is an install. And so it keeps a copy of that. And what I can do is configuration management. Let's say I want to change some information or I want to apply a patch to that image. I can do that. And then I can set the idea of a gold master. So now what I do is I can use this tool to create a virtual instance, and then I can check it in and put it under configuration management, and I can do updates to it at a personality level, so sort of a metadata level, or to the actual OS image. Once I've made changes, I can say this is my new master that I want to use everywhere, or I can roll back to an earlier one if I want. And it's as simple as in the view, you can click on the image and right-click, and you can say make version 1 my gold, make version 2 my gold. Now, how all that ties back into ZenWorks Orchestrator Server. These two pieces know about each other, and we know where the warehouse is. So I can make the warehouse, which is a location somewhere on the network that has disk associated with it. So it could be a SAN, it could be an NF mount, it could be um, iSCSI if you wanted. I can have my warehouse associated with that. And then what I can say is associate these physical machines, allow them to get information from this resource, and this resource in this case is a repository, the warehouse. So now I can say, you know what, start this up, and because the physical server knows where to pull it out of the warehouse, it will start that instance as appropriate. It could be doing a clone, so if it's a template, it would make a copy, and it could copy it locally, or it could copy it to the SAN or uh, the warehouse, wherever it makes sense, and start up that instance so that you can run it. The cool part is, Remember I talked about setting a gold master yeah. back in the tool? So let's say I have four copies or four running of this instance. So I've created this instance. I've checked it into the warehouse. It's version 3. I've now gone into my console, and I said, go ahead and spin up some instances. Those instances are running. I have to apply a patch. So I apply a patch under my VMM tool. And then I set a new gold master. What happens is I can do one of two things. In my console, I can say stop 
and restart. When it stops, it knows that it got it from a warehouse, and it's going to look at the warehouse and go, whoa, 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 there's a new version. I need to run this new version. Or I can just wait, and over time, at some time in the future, based on something that I've automated in Orchestrator, it will stop and possibly start up. And when it starts up, it will say, oh, there's a new version. Let me go grab that new version. So by making a change in the warehouse, Orchestrator knows that there's a change in the warehouse. And when it restarts or starts a new copy of the image, it will pull the latest version from the warehouse to run. So this is very cool, like what we just dealt with, with SLES 10 SP1 being replaced. So what we would have had before is we would have had a gold master that was SLES 10 with a whole bunch of, you know, patches and updates to it. Then as soon as SLES 10 SP1 comes out, we define a new revision of it. We don't make it the gold master yet. We're able to install SLES 10 SP1 in that new revision and then we can try this thing out live or in a test environment. Once we're sure that SLES 10 SP1 didn't mess with anything, we just flip a switch or click on a button, and now all of our different images are using SLES 10 SP1, right? When they get restarted, absolutely. Right, they've got to be restarted. It's not going to happen. It sounds, it sounds sort of like a virtual machine, or should we just say a resource versioning control system on steroids? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what, Aaron, I think you may not have realized, but what you were describing is something that my QA environment needs, my testers need, or even my support people. So I may need to go back and say, you know what, these guys are running uh, SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10 patch level X. So I can go back in and I can say, you know what, I need to grab that one from the warehouse. I need to fire up this version in an environment so that I can duplicate the bug, try to fix it, and then validate that it's fixed. Then I can roll it out to the latest version and then, you know, sort of release it to the public. So as far as doing development, QA, and then support, this tool starts to become very, very powerful. Sure, because the guys who are trying to fix the bug are, in effect, almost working on an identical system to the live system. Same binaries, same base OS, everything. Absolutely. And the other thing is, remember, all I need to do is, if I want to start this up, if you stop and think about it, I could create a job that says build environment, you know, from 18 August 2007. Or what I may want to be able to do is to say, you know what, let's go get SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10 general availability, and let's install these little pieces on it, and we'll build out the environment so that my testers or my support people can have access to that. So it allows me to step back in time for um, support or quality insurance testing. Wow. Cool. Anything else we need to cover? I think we've hit the big pieces. One of the other things, and I'll just give you some teasers, or something called NPIV and a PERI, which are things around SAN, storage area networks. And we're working very hard with these open source projects and these technologies to be able to incorporate them in future versions of Zenwork Orchestrator. So very cool technology. It's all about managing your sand and adding some security to it, and that's stuff that will be coming uh, in the future. Cool. Well, hey, Greg, thanks a lot for taking some time to bring us up to speed on this. You know, Aaron, Randy, I want to thank you very much, and a shout-out to our man, Mike, for uh, making us all sound good on this talk. <laughs> I appreciate the time to talk about Orchestrator. Thanks, thanks a lot, Greg. Greg. You're awesome. All right. Take care.
that gives us a basic overview of Zoss. I want to thank Greg for taking the time to sit down and talk with us. I want to remind our listeners that I will be heading over to Nuremberg and to the Sousa Labs conference next week, and we encourage everyone to send in their questions or specific topics they'd like to hear from the Sousa guys to openaudio at novell.com. Thanks a lot, and have a good day. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.